This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello out there, it is I, Chris Bolton, your agency's cheerleader, linebacker, and coach, all wrapped into one. I've got a really great interview for you with Dan Carlton, partner at The Paragraph Project, a 10-person agency in Durham, North Carolina, that focuses on discovery, market research, and brand strategy. They just launched a really cool Kickstarter um, for a discovery toolkit, which is awesome, and you should all buy it because it'll make your discovery processes so much more productive. Um, I have the kit. I haven't used it yet, but I'm excited to try it out. And we're going to go through how it works at the end of the show. The Kickstarter runs through Thursday, November 10th, and there's a special link in the show notes at creativeagencypodcast.com. If you buy through that link, I will get an affiliate kickback. So it's a great way to support this show and this project. If you're listening after the deadline, you can check in at theparagraphproject.com about getting your kit. All right, let's get to that interview. All right. Well, I'm here with Dan Carlton of The Paragraph Project. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me, Chris. The The Paragraph Project is basically a, a, a discovery and sort of market research firm. Is that correct? Yeah. So we do um, market research, brand strategy, and everything in between. I wanted to ask you about your name, The Paragraph Project. It's actually based on an actual paragraph. <laughs> yep, that's correct. So how did that how did that come about? What what was it about this this particular paragraph that um, inspired you? So that that actually is kind of our our name. It's a 148 word <laughs> paragraph, and it was a way to kind of we look at it as kind of like a parable. Our researchers are a little bit skeptical about research, which is kind of an odd thing, but that's a, that's the gist of the paragraph. The paragraph is all about how data and research is important, but intuition and imagination is important as well, and you really need to combine the two. So the, the paragraph is a parable that, that kind of reflects conversations that I've, I've had with, with CEOs and, and marketers and people working at agencies that, you know, just to kind of express the, um, the frustration that we have. Some people just want to blindly follow the research and they don't take into account that there needs, there needs to be some leaps of faith in the process a little bit. Um, and we need to trust our instincts a little bit. Um, so that's what paragraph does is as a company, we kind of make it safe to do that sort of stuff. And through like the discovery process and some of the other, other things that we do as part of the strategy development work that we do, like we try to leverage the intuition and the instincts that clients have in a way that's positive and can be kind of well-informed and still substantiated through research, but it's not completely led solely by, by research. So when people write a check out to you, they don't have to write the, uh, the whole paragraph, do they, on the check? I, I could imagine it wouldn't fit. <laughs> no, 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 the IRS doesn't, uh, doesn't approve of, of a name that long either. So we had to, that's why we had to shorten it to the paragraph project. It's also hard to answer the phone rattling off the whole the whole thing. <laughs> I please I can't resist. I'm going to go ahead and read it so that um, our listeners can understand what we're talking about. So sure. The paragraph goes. I was having a conversation with a CEO, and I asked him if he would ever let research override his intuition. He said he would. I asked him if he was a genius or if he believed in love. I asked him to describe his daughter's smile or the way he felt on September 11th. I asked if he could comprehend how Beethoven could have composed his Ninth Symphony even though he was profoundly deaf at the time. He looked at me blankly. 
He told me that life wasn't just artistry and poetry. He said that business required more than belief. He said that selling to people had become a repeatable formula. That all sounds rather tedious, I said. It's business, he replied. It's making money. It's commerce. I asked him if he found value in promoting things he didn't believe in. That's quite a paragraph. Yeah. We've, we thought about testing new employees before we hire them, if they could recite it word for word. But uh, I, I think I still trip up from time to time, so we don't, <laughs> we don't make them do that. I, I guess I should have asked you to read it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, that's great. And that's a, that's a very interesting name. Yeah, thanks. And it's a, it's a nice little like filter, too. Like There's some clients that, that you know they, they wouldn't necessarily agree with us in, in our point of view on things, and, that, and that's fine. But having that kind of front and center and, and on our door, you know, it's like, it, it's what we hope is that are kind of aligned with our, our view of research and strategy will kind of get it and, and want to work with us. And those that don't, we, we know at the very beginning, you know, that there's no surprises about how we think about things. And so we found it to be kind of a good filtering mechanism as well. Nice. Um, how did the paragraph project come to be? Uh, well, I got my background in account planning. So I started my career at uh, Fallon in Minneapolis. And then from there went to McKinney and Durham. Um, spent a few years there. And then I left about 10 years ago to start Paragraph. So at first, it was just me freelancing uh, as a planner. And then I started partnering with uh, my now partner. His name is Dave also Brooks. His background is in fine art and design. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were um, a team for a number of years kind of working together under the paragraph name and about five years into it we started hiring people and, and now we're up to about 10 employees but yeah that, that's pretty much the background of how we got started nice nice yeah that's kind of how uh how our agency murmur creative started too it was like two people for about five years and now we're 11 people so awesome <laughs> so uh are most of your employees in-house or are they remote yeah all of them are in-house we have um a few trusted freelancers that will pull in time to time for any sort of overflow work, but pretty much everything is done in-house here. And then because you're doing, you know, a lot of the sort of upfront work for businesses, do you often sort of hand off your discovery work and and research to other agencies? Yeah, it can be other agencies or it could be um, to the client themselves just to kind of run things internally. Um, sometimes they have their own creative partners already kind of established. So there's a little bit of a handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually a lot of times we get hired by agencies. So about half of our work is direct to client. The other half is partnering with agencies that, that, uh, bring us in on projects. So they're a part of the process at the very beginning. So when, um, our, our work is done, they're, they're fully kind of in stride knowing what to do with the, uh, the insights and the strategy from a creative standpoint. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You actually have some pretty good, uh, some pretty big brands listed on your website: Starbucks, Best Buy, Gap, Google, Microsoft. Um, how do you how do you end up working with such renowned brands? Gotten lucky, I guess. I guess uh, <laughs> a lot of it is, you know, uh, the agencies that bring us in have these relationships. So, so um, we're fortunate in that regard to to get access to to those sorts of clients to work with. Um, the ones that we, the projects that we have, they're direct to client. A lot of those projects are. Like the projects nobody else wants to take on, which I kind of mean that in a lighthearted way, but there we kind of think of ourselves as almost like a strategic SWAT team that will kind of come in and help a client um, understand their consumer better or identify a new opportunity for launching their product or whatever it is. But a lot of times, especially with these bigger brands, we're, we're just kind of shaving off tiny chunks of their overall 
um, you know, market research budget, for instance, and and kind of working on a smaller aspect of it, which we enjoy because it's it's very um, kind of quick hitting sort of stuff. It's things that they can kind of take and immediately use, and and um, it, it's just sometimes when you're just working at the high level of like repositioning a big organization like Best Buy, for instance, like that can take years to fully kind of implement and, and right. get the fruits of your labor. Whereas if you get this assignment where it's like, Hey, we just need to draw more attention to this specific offering that we have, or this um, department of our store. Like how do we, how do we understand what the consumer is looking for and how do we serve up our offering in a way that gets them excited about, about us? Like those things just, they, they are much quicker hitting and I don't know. They're, it's just more fun for us because we get to see the, the impact that our work has more immediately. That's cool. You know, the discovery process is something that I'm fascinated with, and it's something that our agency is is sort of been slowly developing over time. So today we're going to talk with you about discovery, and we're also going to talk about um, the discovery toolkit, which is a toolkit that you guys developed and have on Kickstarter right now. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about that. But let's let's talk about a little bit about your discovery process. How how does that work? <laughs> yeah, I think um, we've over the years we've learned um, we've increasingly learned how important setting time aside for a good discovery process at the beginning of a project truly is. Um, I think when we first started, it was it was kind of another box to check, um, but we've come to realize that how well a project ends usually is determined by how well it begins. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why we decided to put more emphasis on really um, spending the time required to understand the client's business and, and what their aspirations are for their brand. Um, so we've been running discovery workshops is what we call them, discovery workshops. We've been running those with clients for a long time, um, but it's only been the past couple of years that we've really started to formalize our process around that and really um, make sure that we do it more consistent, do discovery workshops more consistently across all of our, um, projects. What does, uh, what is the sort of anatomy of a discovery process? So you have the workshops, workshops, are there other aspects of the discovery process? Um, the workshop is usually the core of it. Um, there are some hmm. other kind of elements to it that, that we may add to that. So, um, the discovery workshop is a typically like a three hour, um, work session with the clients where we bring them in and start to talk about their brand and their objectives and that sort of thing. Um, that's usually kind of a, just the key stakeholders of, from the brand side. Um, so we sometimes field a survey to, um, a larger group of employees just to get kind of a more representative sample of, um, their thoughts about the company and where it stands in the marketplace and the vision for the organization and all that sort of stuff. Um, so sometimes we do a survey, an internal survey. Um, sometimes we do phone interviews with with uh, people that might not be able to attend the the workshop or um, a little bit more on the periphery. So it might be um, you know sales interviews with salespeople to kind of get a, their kind of representative voice of the consumer and what the market's looking for. And so those are kind of the the things that we we kind of play around with when it comes to the discovery is the workshop, um, an internal survey, and, and uh, phone interviews as needed. And when you say survey, is that usually um, is that like a an online survey or is that in person? Or? Yeah, it'll usually be online. So um, for those, we typically use like Typeform or some other um, inexpensive um, platform. Mm-hmm. We actually like to build some of the 
elements from our workshop, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, but some of the imagery um, exercises and uh, brand associations and, and that sort of thing, we'll build a lot of those into uh, the survey. So it's kind of a, a more kind of discovery workshop light sort of um, line of questioning in the survey. Um, just to, again, kind of tie everything back and kind of make sure we're, we're getting um, a lot of different inputs, but they're all, we're able to connect them all in the right way. Well, how, how do you sell a discovery process to clients? Uh, it's really, I, I don't know, like when they, when they hire us for, um, an assignment, I think most clients assume that there's going to be a, a kickoff meeting. So we really kind of sneak this discovery process in the back door a little bit and say, okay, I know you're expecting a, a kickoff meeting. Um, but instead of like a one hour phone call, we need a three hour in-person meeting. Um, and that's not too much of an ask. Um, if we, if we kind of get ahead of things, um, and get on people's calendars, um, but even when they walk in the door for this this uh, workshop, they they aren't necessarily expecting all of the exercises and all the different types of um, topics that we'll be kind of exploring. So we try to we try to prepare them for that. But for most of the clients that we work with, they just they don't go through a discovery process like this um, for most of their projects. So it is a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, so the issue mm-hmm. isn't so much like trying to get them to buy into it at the beginning. It's more about um, getting their heads in the right places and understanding um, the, how important that process is to us. And another thing that we always bring up in those conversations is, like, we're really honest up front. We say, you know, we're never going to understand your company or your brand better than you do. So we really need this time to sit down together and just kind of pull and extract as much out of your head as possible so that we make sure that the rest of the process is efficient and we're delivering work at the back end that, you know, meets all of your objectives. Um, and I suppose that a lot of times they learn from the discovery process as well. Is that sort of an implied deliverable or sometimes do you do discovery and you sort of, it's more of an educational opportunity for you as the agency, but not necessarily them as the client? Um, I think it works on both fronts. So we obviously learn a lot from the process. Um, but the one thing that we really strive to do um, with how we set up these these discovery workshops is we try to get clients to talk about their brands in ways that they haven't before and use words mm-hmm. and language and associations and metaphors and that sort of thing that um, gets them kind of off their script a little bit, right? So if you're a brand manager or CMO, um, you, you have a very specific vision for the brand and you've sold it through you know, to people internally and maybe people externally and, and you have some very kind of set answers for the typical kickoff questions. Um, and what we're trying to do is, is kind of get them off that script a little bit, not that they mm-hmm. weren't trying to get them to say something different or isn't true to their vision, but we're just trying to use, get them to use language, um, in a, in a little bit of a different way so that we can start to see from our vantage point, what, what do we think is like the stickiest kind of areas to explore when we move into the research side of things. So we learn a lot. I think they learn a lot as they start to articulate the brand in a different way. And it also surfaces, some. Um, um, conflicts that might exist among their team that they're not aware of yet. Um, when you're forcing somebody to pick one word that represents their brand, the colleagues sitting next to them might pick a different word, and then you you see kind of where there's debate and where there's tension, and there's a lot to learn from that too. Is that an area that we need need to explore um, when we move forward and think about how to articulate the brand externally, or is that something we set aside? So I think a lot of those learnings from their standpoint is 
is more about alignment. Like, is our team truly aligned on where the brand is and where it needs to go? Um, and a lot of those conversations come up in this discovery workshop. How many um, people are usually in a discovery project? And do you have sort of a limit, like max allowed participants? Yeah, it could be as few as one. Um, sometimes we've done these just with, with one client that is, um, you know, kind of owns the vision for the brand. Um, the most we typically do is about seven or eight. I think once you get beyond that, it gets a little bit harder to manage. You you also start to see if you have like 10 or 12 or 15 um, people from the client side there that you're really only going to be getting the opinion of the four or five or six most important people anyway. Um, so there's kind of diminishing returns when you start adding more than seven or eight people in our experience. Do you ever break that up into like if lots of people want to participate into like two separate discovery workshops? Um, we haven't done that before. I think at, at that when it gets to the point where a lot of people want to be involved, that's when we start to lean on the survey or the phone interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, some of the people that might not necessarily be kind of most essential um, to this meeting, we might do phone interviews prior to the um, discovery workshop to kind of feed in into um, the workshop, or sometimes we'll do it afterwards. But um, we usually try to channel those people into other areas so that their voice is still heard, but the, the workshop itself is still um, at a manageable size. Nice. What, what would you say makes a discovery process successful? I think most people think that the, the whole discovery process is about uncovering interesting answers, and we actually feel like it's the opposite. It's uncovering interesting questions. So if you go into this process open-minded, kind of curious, and let everything kind of come into you and, and kind of kind of wash over you, I think that's fine. I don't think you need to leave this meeting feeling like you got it all figured out. And even if you just walk out saying, hey, here are five really interesting questions that we need to kind of dig into, I think that's a successful um, discovery process. I don't think you need to, you don't need to learn everything right off the bat. You just need to get kind of pointed into some interesting paths to take. And um, what what deliverables do you usually give to the client um, from the results of a, a discovery process? Uh, at the very end of the um, discovery workshop, for instance, we have um, an exercise where we're essentially kind of bullet pointing the things that we know and the things that we need to know. So we start to document um, here are all the all the facts. We have data on this. We know this to be true about our customer and about our. Um, competitors and about our own company, but then here's a list of the things that we we don't yet know, um, or maybe they're just assumptions. So, um, at a very basic level, we leave that workshop with a good understanding of information gaps. As part of what we do is is research and insights, and we never want to duplicate um, work that's already been done. So, this is a good way to kind of make sure that we're prioritizing our our efforts in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one deliverable. Um, and then I think, you know, a few days or a week after the discovery workshop, um, kind of a, a product of this discovery process, I guess, is what we like to call a reframe. So the client comes to us day one saying that they want, you know, insights about X, Y, and Z, and they want a strategy to achieve this objective. But once you go through the discovery process, you might realize that you need to reframe that or tweak that original objective a little bit based on what you learned. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest kind of deliverable, I guess, of the whole discovery process is making sure that you're oriented around the right questions um, before you go into research and start developing the strategy. 
And just to, just to give you like a, a couple like simple examples of that, a lot of times clients will have kind of a inside out view of the, the situation, right? They might want to figure out how to promote a specific attribute of the product or specific element of their brand. And a lot of times this reframe is actually kind of a flipping it and making it a little bit more kind of outside in. So if, for instance, a client comes to us and says, hey, our product is the only American-made product in this, this category, we really want to figure out how to take that message out to the marketplace, that's, that's a great question to kind of think about kind of going into the process. But through the, the discovery workshop and through the discovery process, we might come out of the back end and say, okay, we understand that American-made is an important part of your story, but... You know, and we can research that and understand that question, but maybe there's a bigger question about what does patriotism mean in the year 2016. You know, so that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of like a reframe that you might not be able to get to that point until you've had this discovery process and really understood um, where the client's head is at, but also what are our assumptions about the consumer and the marketplace. Um, so that's ultimately what we want to try to do through this process is get to a really interesting question that we can address through research that will lead us to a more interesting place strategically. After the discovery process, have you gathered most of what you need from the client uh, when you go into the sort of research phase, or do you sort of end up going back to get more information here and there? So after we go through the discovery process and we articulate a reframe question, then we'll go off and do research. We do, we're, we're kind of research generalists here at Paragraph. I don't know, a little bit hesitant to say that because everybody wants to be a specialist these days, but. Um, we're, we're now kind of proudly research generalists in that we can do qualitative research like focus groups and in-home ethnographies and shop-alongs and that sort of thing. We can do pretty much any sort of quantitative research that a client wants from just a quick hit online survey to bigger you know, ongoing brand tracking studies and segmentation studies. So anyway, we'll, regardless of what sort of research that we do, we'll go through the discovery process, we do research, and then we'll have kind of a midpoint uh, meeting with the client where we will share all these initial insights with them, kind of put everything up on the wall, uh, not in like a formal presentation style, but really just kind of literally putting everything up on the wall, just random quotes from consumers or, or charts or excerpts from, you know, a book or whatever it is. Like we put everything up on the wall. Here's some of the things that we're seeing and we get reaction from the client to see what are they reacting positively to? Are there area, other areas that we need to dig deeper? Which of these kind of insights are having the most impact on um, their thoughts for the future of their brand? So that's kind of like the next place where the client will come into the process is um, through mm -hmm. this midpoint uh, work session. Um, and then we'll kind of fine tune things after that and, and everything will kind of culminate into a strategic direction or recommendation for them. So do they get basically like a big report at the They'll end? They'll get a report. Um, everyone wants the PowerPoint deck, but we also like to deliver what we call creative artifacts. Um, so a lot of times we will turn the research that we've done into um, a poster about the target audience, or it might be a little uh, like brand book, or it could be some sort of three-dimensional piece, some sort of like kit or something that has different um, pieces that represent different elements of the brand or the consumer. Um, so we like to create physical artifacts of the work that we've done. Yeah, it's just a way to kind of get them, I don't know, it's just a, whenever you leave somebody with a PowerPoint deck, um, you never know how that's going to get understood throughout the rest of the organization. So the clients that have been with us through the whole process, they totally get it. The PowerPoint deck is, is enough for them to kind of know what to do moving forward. But when they need to send all this work to their boss or to a sales team or to their creative partners, we, we like to create these creative artifacts because it's a way for them to 
communicate the, the learnings in a more efficient way and it gets everyone a little bit more excited than flipping through a PowerPoint deck, right? Like they can kind of spend time with something that's a little bit more engaging, um, you know, from a graphics and, you know, visual standpoint. It just gets them to kind of internalize the, the key elements of the research and the strategy in a, in a more powerful way. That's very creative. And I'm sure they find it very useful as well to have something like that. And I can imagine, I, it's like my tendency with eBooks that I download is that they end up somewhere on my desktop or in my files and I never look at them again. It's nice to have something physical to remind you. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can have a little poster that, that people might you know pin up on um, their office wall or whatever of the target audience, you know, so you, so you have that anchor um, whenever you're making decisions on a day to day day-to-day basis we've even had like a book that we did um for a global um apparel man and we did all of this work this segmentation work we developed um this you know beautiful little booklet almost like a lookbook you know just to give you a kind of a feeling of who the the target audience is and you kind of wove research and data throughout and we printed out like five copies and sent them to the client after the project and then we got a call like a month later saying, hey, can you print out 500 of these? We want to give our global sales force so everyone knows like who the, who uh, you know, who we're trying to cater this brand to and, and everything like that. So it's just really encouraging to, to know that like the work that you're doing is taking, taking root within an organization and making a difference. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the Discovery Toolkit. I actually have your prototype here on the desk. Um, it's beautiful and awesome. I'm very excited to try it out and also talk about the, the Kickstarter that you have going on. Um, the Kickstarter ends November 8th. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So November 8th, 2016. So if you're listening to the podcast before that time you can go ahead and support it and order your um, discovery toolkit. And if you're listening, listening after, I, I assume it'll be probably available on the, the website. Yeah, we'll have some sort of link to it on our website. Um, not sure exactly how we will do sales after the Kickstarter, but um, if you go to uh, our website, theparagraphproject.com, you'll see it somewhere if you want to hunt it down. Great. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, so let's, let's talk about the toolkit. What I have here is three decks of cards, words deck, an associations deck, and an images deck. And then there's some instruction cards that go along with it that describe exercises. Does it make sense just to sort of go through each deck and, and explain what they're used for? Yeah, that'd be great. Where do you want to start? Let's start maybe the words deck. Yeah, so the words deck um, is uh, within the discovery toolkit. We have um, three different sets of cards. Um, and they're meant to um, get the group talking about their brand in an interesting way, a new way. Um, so one of those card decks is called the words deck. And within that deck, there are about 60 to 70 different words. I can't remember the exact number that we landed on. But each word kind of represents a different sort of personality trait, I guess, of a brand. So it could be a word like expert or um, determined or wholesome or simple um, adventurous. So <clears throat> I have some of the cards here. It's like unserious, carefree, sophisticated, wise. Yep. So with this deck, the one thing that we ask, um, participants of the work session to do is to go through all of these words and separate them into two different categories. So one category, um, would be our brand is. So which of these words d- accurately describe our brand? Um, and then the other category is our brand is not. So which words do not describe our, our brand? 
so you'll usually have like a long list of, of words under each of those two columns. Then you might also, you know, does not apply sort of column as well that you just kind of cast uh, some of these words aside if they don't fit into the, either of those two categories. Um, but once once we have kind of a list of words under our brand is and our brand isn't, um, then there's an exercise of prioritizing. So if you have you know ten or fifteen words that describe your brand, how do we prioritize those? Which which are the the words that are most definitive um, of our brand and which are maybe kind of secondary um, attributes? So that's the exercise there. It's, it's really to kind of create um, extremes of of you know this is who our brand is and. The our brand is not words are a great way to kind of understand where the boundaries are and like we we want to make sure we don't push um, um, our to a place that we're not comfortable um, being. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can already imagine how useful that is. Say in our logo design process, where you know sometimes we bring you know eight concepts to a client and they're like well, those two logos, they just don't fit. You know, they don't, that's not our personality of a brand. And, you know, we're somewhat unprepared sometimes for that sort of judgment. But I can imagine having sort of all these sort of personality traits ahead of time before we do the logo discovery process and being a little less likely to hit on something that's completely out of the brand. Yeah, and then when you, um, so yeah, so it can help kind of point, point you guys in the right direction from the start. But then also when you're creating work, you can always reference back. If you present something that is very kind of has this very kind of rebellious sort of spirit to it, and that's something that the client mentioned on on day one, you know, if there's any sort of dispute and say, hey, well, we presented this because we talked about this, you know, last month. Um, there's a way to kind of make sure that everyone's aligned throughout the process and kind of changing their minds or or anything like that midstream. And the other nice thing about this this exercise that we found is that there's lots of good debate within an individual word, right? So if you have, um, you know, like a word like neighborly is in in this deck, right? So if you, as a group, decide like a hey, neighborly really de- describes our brand, you can also have the conversation. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it, you know, does it is neighborly bad because it makes us feel like we're too kind of small potatoes and, and not a legitimate player in the category, or is neighborly good because we want to make sure that we're always um, accommodating to customers' needs? I don't know what that how that conversation goes, but um, there's a lot of great conversation um, even around individual words, not just that they make it into a certain pile or not, but once they're there, is that a good thing or bad thing? Do you want to move? Uh, away from the, that specific word, or do you want to lean into it more as a brand? So there's a lot of great conversations that can be generated through this exercise for sure. That's cool. So the next deck I have here is the associations deck. Looking at a few cards here, um, they basically, it looks like brands. So we have Ted, I imagine this Ted Talks, Samuel Adams, The Beer, Chipotle, Trader Joe's. So just a, a bunch of well-known brands yep. on probably what is like a hundred or so of these. Yeah, so there's about a hundred different brands, kind of prominent well-known brands. Um, but this exercise kind of falls under the um, you are the company you keep sort of mantra. Um, so what we what we use these cards for when um, talking to clients is we like to have them pull a couple brands that they think – you know, they're brands that they're, they admire or they feel like they have something in common with. Um, so we're kind of creating like a brand neighborhood, you know. So, you know, for instance, a client might say, hey, we're, we're very much kind of like a Warby Parker or um, Tom Shoes sort of sort of brand. So those might be the brands that they pick out. And then you start to talk about well, what do those brands have in common? What are some things that, that those brands do well that we can learn from? 
are they what what makes these brands successful um is it their business model is it their their marketing like what what are some of the things that these brands do well that we would love to kind of steal and apply to how we think about our brand so this is a very straightforward um, exercise and this is one that people can again like intuitively like people know what they want to admire or kind of like put into their peer group. The real benefit of this is not necessarily just what brand they pick, but also the rationale for it and what, what we can learn from those brands and how that might impact how we think about things moving forward. So when you're doing these exercises, someone taking copious notes the whole time, I imagine? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of conversation that happens. So we, we always make sure there's at least one person dedicated to, to writing all this down. Um, and the great thing about these cards too, is that it's all, they're all visual reference, right? So we, we, you know, take out our phones and take pictures of stuff as, as things are on the desk, um, or on the table. This was just a conversation being had without these props. You know, a lot of, a lot of those things might get kind of lost, um, in the ether, you know? So it's nice to have these cards that we can always kind of reference. Um, and we, even to the point of note-taking, like I think note-taking is huge for this because, um, you know, if you fast forward to, you know, a month or two down the river in the final recommendation for the strategy, you, you always want to tie that back to the client's vision. So if you can take quotes or if you can take some of these images or some of these words that were selected in this, this work session and, and kind of have that as a reference point in your final recommendation, just to show that it's, you know, everything's kind of coming out of the, or not necessarily coming out of the vision of the, of the clients, then it's going to be easier to sell your strategy or, or your uh, creative work. Mm -hmm. And then the, the third deck that we have here is the image deck. If I look at a few of these, We've got a picture of an open suitcase with a shirt and a watch in it. We've got some kids holding skateboards above their heads with a sunset, sort of an industrial picture of um, like a factory, someone holding a sparkler, someone blowing stars. So lots of sort of, lots of sort of evocative imagery. Mm -hmm. Some of them easy, you know, easier to, to describe than others. How, how does this exercise usually work? Um, there's a couple of different ways we typically use this. The, the most common way is um, we will have participants in our workshop put an image. If we have kind of everyone in the group, let's say there's 10 people in the room, we have everyone pull one image that represents their brand. And then we have them pick one image that represents the category as a whole, or maybe um, a key competitor. And what we're trying to do here, like you said, these are all kind of evocative kind of conceptual photos. These are not specific to any particular product. But that's kind of the, the, the point. We want to get people kind of thinking about their brand in, in a new way. So the nice thing about this is you start to get, if everyone picks one image, you kind of have a, this collage of images that represents our brand and a collage of images that represents the category as a whole. And you can start to talk about differences. And as with the other card decks, the same rule applies. Like we, we're interested in knowing what image is chosen, but it's more important to know why it's chosen. So someone might pull a picture of you know a tourist looking at a map and the explanation there might be about how their brand can help its customers get to wherever they want to go in life. Or it, it could be something even more abstract than that. That's the sort of conversation that we're trying to get to uh, when we do these sorts of exercises. Um, and the ability to kind of contrast um, you know, our, our brand versus competitors brand is, is another great, um, benefit of this exercise is a lot of times, you know, the whole, the whole idea of disruption and kind of zagging is, you know, and kind of accurately define what makes the category, like what's, what the category sameness is, the category dogma is, it's going to be easier for us to kind of figure out which rules to break. So this is a good exercise to start 
exploring those topics as well. Um, how long have you been sort of using decks like this? I've been personally been using these sorts of decks like my my whole career. So, and, and there are a lot of strategists that use similar um, exercises. So these exercises um, in and of themselves aren't what's novel about this toolkit. It's about the, the packaging them in a way that anyone can pick it up. 15 minutes later can run a, a discovery workshop of their own, you know? So I think that's what we were trying to do when we started developing this is like, okay, we have these, these tools and these techniques that we've been using for years and years and years, but it seems like every time we start a discovery process, like we're reinventing the wheel every single time. Like we'll kind of go to, you know, to the internet or magazines or whatever, lot scrap imagery and we'll, we'll kind of cut it out and make it all look nice and get it ready for the meeting. And then, you know, two months later we'll have, you know, another client. Um, bring us on for a project and we'll do the same thing we're just constantly kind of reinventing the wheel um so the thought behind this was let's just standardize it a little bit um put these card decks together that we can use in any sort of situation for any sort of um and i and i joke with uh with people that you know you can put this toolkit in my hands and kind of push me through the front door of any client and i feel like i can effectively run a, a good discovery workshop um, just with this, you know, agenda that we've outlined. Because um, that's the thing about this toolkit. Um, you have in your hands, like, the three card decks components to it. There's a, a workbook that kind of takes you through, like, a five-point agenda for this three-hour session broken out in, like, 30-minute increments so you know exactly kind of what to do at different points of time in the, in the work session. So that workbook takes you through that, that agenda, tells you how to, how to facilitate for each of those sections of the conversation. The card decks play a major role, of course. Um, we have like two posters that help um, organize thinking um, throughout the course of the, the workshop. So um, I guess that's the thing that we're really excited about is that now we have this tool in place that um, we we can start a project immediately. We don't have to we don't have to worry about a week or two of kind of lead time, kind of prepping for a discovery. So like we can start it immediately. And we have a consistent tool to go back to on and on. Mm -hmm. That's the impression I had as soon as I opened up these boxes and read the really ins simple instructions with each deck. I was like, oh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, I was like, I could, we could do this. It was not, it was very simple. And uh, yeah, that is, that is very exciting to, to offer a tool like that, um, which, you know, I think could be really useful to um, people outside of creative agencies too, even if you just want to do some exploration with your own team and your own business, probably learn a lot of cool things running through these exercises. Yeah, we've, we've talked to um, like startups and, um, you know, they want to like fine tune their elevator speech, right? So it's like, this is something that they can, you can, you can kind of apply it to your own your own brand, um, if, if that's what you prefer. That's great. All right. Well, I always ask our guests um, at the end of the show for three takeaways. This would be, you know, three things, little bits of advice for agencies who are looking to develop a better discovery process. Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is um, put in the effort up front. So if you can find a little bit of time and the ability to put some resources towards the discovery process, it's going to make everything 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 work more smoothly and and make the whole pro project just go that much better and as we talked about it's a way to make sure that when we're presenting work to clients that we're always kind of touching back what was originally discussed on day one so a lot of people are just so eager to to get to the work and the fun stuff of developing creative that um 
they just want to they just want to start you know they just want to start doing doing the creative work but like i said if you can do if you can spend some time up front really kind of extracting as much from the clients as possible um it's going to help you in the long run not get to better work but also help you sell better work um i think the other thing that i'd point out or the second thing is um this idea that the discovery process is not about uncovering answers it's about uncovering questions this is a great opportunity for agencies to to um work with clients and, and, um, I don't know, the, the great thing about the discovery process is you don't have to have anything figured out. You don't have to know anything. So you can walk in with, with humility and just say, Hey, you know, we need to learn from you. That's what, that's what the whole discovery process is about. Um, and it just kind of pulls the clients into, into the process and it also lets agencies kind of take leadership of the process, but letting the clients kind of drive for the first, you know, week or so. And as long as you kind of go in with that mindset of you don't have to impress them, you don't have to convince them of anything, you don't have to go in there and feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room. You, it truly is just trying to find interesting ways to kind of pull information out of clients. If you walk out with some good questions, then your job is done. And then the third thing I would say is that enthusiasm is contagious. And if you approach the discovery process with a lot of enthusiasm and, and fun even, like I think that's some of these card decks and some of these tools do, it carries over to the clients. You know, they start to get more excited about the, the project and what might come out of, uh, you know, at the tail end of the project. So the more enthusiasm you can show through the discovery process and the discovery phase, it's just going to get clients more engaged and they'll you'll kind of be on the same team together as you're working through the process and they won't just be kind of, kind of reserving judgment until you present creative work, they'll actually be kind of on the ride with you, which which is a lot of fun. Well, great. Thanks so much, Dan, for sharing. And uh, again, I encourage everybody to check out the Discovery Toolkit on Kickstarter. And if you're listening to this after um, the Kickstarter is over, go to uh, theparagraphproject.com and uh, you should be able to find it available there. Thanks, Dan. It was really great talking to you. And, and I just loved your insights about the discovery process. I think it'll really help our listeners as well. Well, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. All right. Take care. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton. When he's not podcasting or being a dad, He's the Digital Strategy Director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.